Steve Jobs w- was the, the founder of the company Apple, uh, which uh, gave us iPhones, iPads, uh, and so on. He, he died in 2011 at the age of 56 of pancreatic cancer. Uh, and one of the most tragic things about his early death was that it was preventable. His was one of the, the 5% of pancreatic cancers that is actually curable. Uh, but when he was diagnosed, he, he refused the advice of doctors to have potentially life-saving surgery and put it off for nine months. Instead, he tried to fight the disease with a vegan diet, acupuncture, herbal remedies, and positive thinking. It didn't work. By the time his family eventually convinced him to have surgery, the cancer had spread. He was an intelligent man. He was worth 8.3 billion when he died. But at the vital moment, he looked for help in all the wrong places. And as we we look at his life, it's hard not to think he should have known better. He should have known better. And in this chapter, we also have someone who should have known better. Uh, But he too looks for help in all the wrong places. And we can so easily do the same. Uh, And that's what we're going to see in this chapter under three headings. Seeing firstly, when people look for help in the wrong places. When people look for help in the wrong places. The chapter starts with a, a crash. Ahaziah has fallen through the, the lattice. Uh, what, what's that? Uh, well, this would have been a, been a grid made up of reeds or, or wooden strips that was put over a window. It, it was designed to keep out the sun and the, the prying eyes of any neighbours, but, but let in any cool breezes uh, that would cool the house on the inside. Uh, So it it was a good idea, uh, but it it probably wouldn't have stood up to uh, 21st century health and safety legislation. And you can imagine Ahaziah tripping, reaching out desperately to try and hold on to something, but ending up going right through it. Uh, Not that that we we base too much on archaeology, but but excavations in Samaria have shown that the royal palace at this time did have a second story as verse 2 says and Ahaziah falls right out of it and he realizes himself that he's not in a good way but what he does next is staggering especially after what we've seen in the last few chapters because he sends messengers to inquire of Beelzebub the god of Ekron to find out whether he'll get better and that's staggering because uh, we, we've seen again and again that the Beals have been exposed as being completely powerless. And Ahaziah would have known that. He would have known all about the, the signs that Elijah had done to expose the futility of Baal worship, uh, culminating in that great contest in Mount Carmel. When the prophets of Baal had prayed all day to their God and nothing. And then Elijah prayed to the Lord and he answered with fire. But Ahaziah had gone through life ignoring the evidence. Uh, As we read from those closing verses of 1 Kings, he's a chip off the old block. We're told that he walked in the way of his father and in the way of his mother. That he served Baal and provoked the Lord to anger. Uh, but Ahaziah's fall, uh, 
it just exposes where his heart is. Because when sickness or tragedy strikes our lives, we really have two options. We can either run to God or we can run from God. So when suffering comes into your life, don't look at it as something to be avoided at all costs, but look at it as an opportunity. Because even though you wouldn't have chosen it, God is bringing it into your life for a reason. And you can either trust him that he'll use it to shape and mould you into the person he wants you to be, or you can fight against it. If a child gets hurt, it'll run to its mother or father. And so a simple test to see whether you are God's child or not is to think where you, you run when you get hurt. Do you, you run to God or, or from him? Uh, or do you run to God or do you seek comfort from food, entertainment, pornography, alcohol and so on? Above all, Ahaziah's life shows the danger of thinking that you can leave trusting in God to the end of your life. Because if you've been ignoring God all your life, the chances are that you're not suddenly going to trust him when it comes to the crunch. Ahaziah is here on his deathbed. And it's often been pointed out that there is only one deathbed conversion in the whole Bible, uh, which is the thief on the cross. There is, there is a deathbed conversion in the Bible so that, so that none uh, need despair, but there is only one that none should presume and say, it's all right, I can, I can repent right at the end. If you go through your life ignoring Jesus Christ, he may give you the grace to believe in your final hours, but the testimony of both the Bible and history is that it doesn't happen very often. And that's not because people don't know the facts, but because sin stops people thinking straight. Uh, when, it, when it came to Steve Jobs, did, did he try alternative therapies because he wasn't smart or because he didn't have people around him who could advise him or because he couldn't afford health insurance? No, it wasn't due to lack of money or lack of knowledge. Uh, that's what makes it so tragic. And Ahaziah also knew the facts. But when he got sick, he still looked for help from the one God that had repeatedly been exposed as a fraud. Uh, I'm not sure if any of you know the name Peter Popoff. Uh, he was a so-called faith healer who was exposed on national TV in 1986. He would amaze his audiences by telling them their names, what they were suffering from, where they lived. But it turned out that he was wearing a hidden earpiece. He was getting the information from his wife who would mingle in the crowd. Uh, within a year, he had filed for bankruptcy. Uh, but, but guess what? Today, his ministry is thriving again. His website features testimonies of miraculous healings. In 2007, his organization brought in $23 million uh, with him selling Miracle Spring Water on his late night TV show. Someone might take us in once, but, but there's no excuse for it to happen again. And yet our hearts have this built-in tendency to do things which we know are going to be destructive. 
But this chapter isn't just warning us about making bad choices at the end of our lives. It has a repeated refrain that God uh, may come and ask us at times, even as Christians, is it because there is no God in Israel? Uh, that's the, the message there in verse 6. Because Christians too can be in danger of looking in the wrong places for help. Uh, some might be tempted to do that in ways like consulting horoscopes or dabbling with tarot cards or Ouija boards. Uh, but, but there are other, other more subtle ways we can do that. Maybe you have an important decision to make. Is your first reaction to speak to friends or family or is it to, to pray? And if it's to speak to others, then God would say to you, is it because there is no God in Israel? Or maybe your, your attitude to a certain area of life is more based on what the world around you does than, than what God says. And he says, is it because there is no God in Israel? It's a question we may need to hear as a church at times. If we, we, we see uh, apparent uh, disinterest around us, we can lose our confidence in the preaching of the gospel. Uh, we can wonder, is there something else we can do to attract people? And the question comes, is it because there is no God in Israel? Is it because God isn't powerful enough? In any situation that we try to fix ourselves rather than waiting on God. He comes to us and says, is it because there is no God in Israel? So Ahaziah's problems didn't start when he fell through the, the window and landed on his deathbed. His problems began with the thousands of smaller occasions through his life when he had chosen not to listen to God. Uh, and your life uh, and mine will be defined not by a couple of big decisions, but by thousands of smaller ones. Are we living as if Jesus is on the throne? So firstly, when people look for help in the wrong places. Secondly, the seriousness of looking for help in the wrong places. The seriousness of looking for help in the wrong places In 2015, the Republic of Ireland voted to legalise same-sex marriage. And people were surprised when they went to the vote. Uh, they found Bibles in the polling stations. It, it turned out the Bibles had to be there by law, which was a bit ironic as the majority of those who voted, voted against what the Bible says. Uh, but, but the presence of, of the Bible symbolised a clash between the authority of God and the will of the people. And one of the big things we see in this chapter is a clash between the authority of God and the authority of the king. Rather than the king coming under the authority of God, he, he tries to fight against the authority of God. In verse 2, Ahaziah sends messengers, but, but in verse 3, the angel, or, or literally messenger of the Lord, intervenes. Ahaziah may have had his messengers, but they're nothing compared to God's messenger. 
Uh, and when we read uh, of the angel of the Lord appearing elsewhere in the Old Testament, it's fairly clear uh, that, that it is Jesus himself. And such is the authority of God seen in Elijah that when Elijah tells the messengers to go, to, to go back to the king, they, they simply turn around and go back. Now, to, to go back to the king without having carried out his orders would have been to risk their lives. And the king in verse 5 is amazed that they're, they're back so soon. He demands, why have you returned? And what, what's more amazing is that they don't even know the, the identity of the person who's told them to turn around. They don't know that he's the famous prophet Elijah. They've never laid eyes on him before, but such is his authority that they just turn round and go meekly back to the king. But when the king makes them describe what happened, it soon becomes clear that they've met Elijah. Now we don't know whether Ahaziah has met Elijah before. Uh, there, there is a possibility that they've never met. Uh, a possibility that Ahaziah has heard stories about him. This hairy man with a leather belt who so plagued his parents. Uh, and, and he's never seen him himself. Uh, but, but there can be no doubt that this is Elijah. And the king immediately dispatches a captain and 50 men to go and apprehend him. Uh, and I think we can be pretty sure that Ahaziah doesn't just want to bring Elijah in for a little chat. Uh, he's determined to get rid of him. He doesn't stop to question how Elijah could have known where the messengers were going. It's not about right and wrong, true and false. It's about taking out any opposition to his lifestyle choice. And so in verse 9, the captain and the men reach Elijah. He, he barks out his order. O man of God, the king says, come down. But Elijah answers, if I am a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your fifty. And that's exactly what happens. We're left with 51 charred bodies and... Maybe we're thinking, was that really necessary? But Ahaziah should have known. He would have known about the fire that came down in Mount Carmel. That's where the, the God contest should have been sorted out once and for all. But neither Ahaziah or his captain really believed that Elijah was a man of God. They use those words, but they're, they're meaningless at best, mocking at worst. The son has refused to learn from the experience of his parents. And so now the stakes are higher and the result more drastic. Ahaziah responds immediately by sending another captain and 50 men. It only demonstrates how, how stubborn the sinful human heart is. In the face of all the evidence, he still refuses to, to acknowledge God. It's the same attitude seen today in the work of two highly educated Cambridge astronomers who've come up with the idea that life on Earth is a result of a supra-terrestrial intelligence which is more than human but less than God. Uh, one of the advantages of the theory, they say, is that it offers the possibility of high intelligence in the universe that is not God. 
So that so they see the issues with the theory of evolution, but they're not willing to believe in God, so they must find some other explanation. And here the, the king with no regard for his own spiritual life or, or the physical lives of his soldiers sends wave after wave of them to try and silence God's prophet. And he does so in spite of all the evidence. Sin isn't rational. It looks at all the evidence and says this must be being caused by anything but God. Just as we saw this morning that the the rejection of Jesus by by those in his hometown was not rational. Uh, So here it is an irrational rejection of God uh, in the face of all the evidence. So now the, the death toll is 102. Uh, the other gods, the, the, the Baals, the Asherah, uh, they, they never insisted on exclusive loyalty, but the Lord does. There's no getting past his first commandment, no other gods before him. And when Jesus comes, he is the same. He, he tells people to smash their idols Maybe not literal idols, there weren't too many in first century Palestine. But he tells the rich young man to go and sell everything he has. He turns over the tables in the temple. Jesus isn't content to play a second fiddle to anyone or anything in our lives. Uh, And so this is right up to date. It's not just about people a long time ago worshipping a false god. It's about us if we put anything uh, in the place of Jesus anything else as number one in our lives and the fire from heaven shows how serious God is it should be a grim reminder of what will happen to all those who don't trust in Jesus just as Ahaziah should have looked back to Mount Carmel and the fire falling there and should have believed so we should look at this passage and believe God when he talks about hell This is how serious a position our own believing friends and relatives are in. But God in his love sends warning after warning as to what is about to happen. That they would turn before it's too late. So firstly, today when people look for help in all the wrong places. Secondly, the the seriousness of looking for help in the wrong places Thirdly and finally, we see the grace of God to those who look in the wrong places. The grace of God to those who look in the wrong places. Maybe you're you're sort of scanning the chapter, uh, wondering where we see grace here. But in fact, God is giving Ahaziah opportunity after opportunity to repent. God could just have stood back let the king send his messengers to Baal and not intervened. But he doesn't. Instead the king's messengers run into an Elijah shaped roadblock. And even then each time fire falls from heaven. There's an opportunity for Ahaziah to acknowledge God and submit to him. Even then God might have spared his life. But he ignores all the warnings. I think of someone driving home one night. And they see a sign that says the road is closed. 
but they're already tired and they know the diversion will take ages so they decide to risk it. And they drive past sign after sign warning them about roadworks, road closed. They think surely not, not at this time of night. And then they reach a point where they can go no further or, or they end up damaging their car and they have no one to blame but themselves. Well in this chapter Ahaziah has driven past warning sign after warning sign. Uh, and so verse 17 may be blunt and to the point but it's not a shock. So he died according to the word of the Lord that Elijah had spoken. And it's all his own fault. God had graciously given him opportunities to stop, to repent, but he didn't take them. Uh, We also see in this chapter God's grace uh, to the third captain and his 50 men in verses 13 to 15. You can almost imagine this captain sitting in the barracks watching the news unfold on TV as it were. It's a bit like 9-11. People are still watching the smoke from the first tower or in this case from the first 50 men when it happens again. And anybody thinking that the first one was an accident quickly realises that it wasn't. But then the captain's handed a summons which says take 50 men. And his heart sinks because he knows what's coming. And so when he reaches Elijah, his approach is very different from those of his predecessors. It's true that the first two had just been following orders, but the king's arrogance seemed to be shared by his captains. In verse 9, the first one tells him to come down because the king says so. It's an attack on the authority of God's word. You need to listen to the king, prophet of God. In verse 11, the second captain demands that Elijah come down quickly. And both times, fire falls. But the third captain shows that there's a way to follow orders without following the attitude behind them. He humbles himself before Elijah. He humbles himself before Elijah. And the God and Elijah's God. And he says, O man of God, please let my life and the life of these 50 servants be of yours be precious in your sight. And God tells Elijah to go with him. It's a picture of what could have happened to King if he had only paid attention to the signs. Because this time the fire doesn't fall. And that points us forward to another occasion in the Bible where fire doesn't fall. At the end of Luke chapter 9, Jesus is rejected by a Samaritan village. His disciples are clearly familiar with this story. And James and John ask, Lord, do you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them? But Jesus turns and rebukes them. Jesus wasn't condemning Elijah for what happened here. In fact, our our chapter makes clear that God was the one who sent the fire. But Jesus was telling his disciples that their mission was different. Elijah's was a mission of judgment, but Jesus' mission was one of rescue. The question wasn't whether the, the Samaritan village deserved fire from heaven, because rejecting Jesus is as serious as it gets. But Jesus came so that we don't have to get what we deserve. 
The story of this stubborn king and his three groups of soldiers may seem far away from your day-to-day life. Uh, But there's one thing that connects it uh, to every one of us. Three times in this chapter we, we read God's pronouncement on Ahaziah. You shall surely die. It takes us right back to the Garden of Eden where the same words were God's warning as to what would happen if Adam and Eve rebelled against him. You shall surely die, but they didn't listen. And their sin has been passed down from generation to generation. That's the reason why there's suffering in the world, why there's death. That's the reason why the natural reaction of human beings is to close their ears and eyes to God uh, in spite of the evidence. And it affects all of us. We all tend to look for help in the wrong places. Uh, For some people, that might be more obvious. Drugs, a string of relationships and so on. For others, the rebellion is quieter and less obvious. And maybe even trying to please God with her good works. But by nature, we just look for help in all the wrong places. But Jesus came from outside that cycle of death. He came into this world. He testified that there was a God in Israel. And he was killed for it. But his death wasn't a tragedy. His death was a plan all along. And on the cross, the fire of God's wrath fell on Jesus so that we could go free. That if, like the third captain here, we would humble ourselves before God, we might live. So we all, by nature, look for help in the wrong places. Often when suffering comes, we react badly. Looking for help in the wrong places is a a serious thing. But God is a God of grace for people like us. And he sent Jesus so that by his grace we might look for help in the right place. And that by believing in him we might have life in his name. Amen. Well, let's now sing both of God's judgment and his grace from Psalm 106. Psalm 106 verses 16 to 19 on page 261. Psalm 106, 16 to 19 on page 261. In verse 16 we have God's punishment blazing fire from heaven. In verse 17 uh, we see the sin of idolatry, the people changing their glory for an ox as if there was no God in Israel. And so in verse 19, he would have destroyed them all, but Moses stood in the breach and stopped his wrath, which is a picture of Jesus who would come and stand and stop God's wrath by taking it on himself. So Psalm 106, 16 to 19, uh, the tune is Ostend. Uh, If you're able, we'll stand as we sing.